worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We praise you, Lord. Man, I don't know if you love the scriptures or not. I love the scriptures, and I want to just go into the scriptures. We've been talking about communion. This is something that is said in the past, but it's also present, and it's also future. Come on, communion is something that we do. It's not just a snack. We, we have, we have uh, so much watered it down. I want to go to a church that knows how to eat the bread and the wine that God offers us. I want to go to a church that is mature and, and understands that this is just more than just a gathering. This is, just, this is not something that I do out of, out of religion or even tradition. This is something that I do out of love. I, I do it because something loved me first, and I love it. <laughs> and I love it. You see, you just can't suffer. Because true sacrifice is not just suffering. See, suffering has to be coupled with, with love. When you have love and you have suffering, you have sacrifice. See, if you just, if you just love, then it's just words. And that ain't love. I know, we, I know what we've been, Dr. Phil and some others, I know what they've said, well, they're wrong. <laughs> the Bible teaches me that true, true, true love is joined with sacrifice. And it just can't be sacrifice, because if it's just sacrifice, it's just suffering. See, and what the early church did, what the early church understood, that Christ understood, and Christ was teaching the church, is that you have to bring, you have to bring love <laughs> and suffering together <laughs> so it can become a sacrifice. This story here of communion is embedded in a very Jewish tradition, in a Jewish tradition taken back by, uh, in the book of Exodus chapter 12. 13, 14, you can, all, you can go back and read it. I'm just skimming along here to give you the huge narrative story. And, and so, so for thousands of years, they looked to the Passover in, in, inside the week of unleavened bread, and they looked to the Passover, but the Jews understood this, that, they, that this wasn't just a meal. It was first a sacrifice, Remember? what Moses instructed the children of Israel, I want you to sacrifice a lamb and paint your door. So when the day the angel comes, <laughs> it will pass over you. This sacrifice, listen, and let me, let, me, let me get you this, and I know I might trip some of you up, but Israel did not end up in Egypt because of sin. That's the Babylonian story. Are you listening to me? Ah, uh, you ain't get me. Are you listening? You, I know I tripped some of you because you're all hung up on sin. Like God can't forgive you for sin. And so we make it a sin narrative. But this is, this is Passover. It's more than that. It starts in a rescue operation. When God went into Egypt because his people were taken captive, it wasn't because of sin. That's Babylon. God went into Egypt because he wanted to rescue his people because of a Pharaoh that was mean-spirited and was trying to stop the plan of God. But how many of you know that we have an awesome and mighty God who loves his people and doesn't leave his people in suffering? But every time we cry, he hears his children and he knows how to rescue them. I know some of you want me to talk about sin. Okay, I'll talk about sin. 
Well, it became a sin story because of Babylon. The Babylonian, remember, I just preached. You want me to go preach that whole sermon again? <laughs> I just preached how Israel ended up in Babylon. They ended up in Babylon. Remember, God sent Isaiah. God sent people like Jeremiah and all these other prophets. And what did they do? Did God send them to Babylon? No, I just showed you. God did not send them to Babylon. They sent themselves. God sent the warning because he loved them. But because of their disobedience, what did he do? He turned, there's this phrase that Paul uses in Romans, he turned them over. And that's what happens when you disobey God. I don't love to punish my, asking you and my kids. I got 10,000 of them. <laughs> Ask any of my kids. As a matter of fact, my older kids blame me that I don't spank my younger kids because they used to get a beating. I said, boy, you, you got away with all kinds of stuff as well. I've never spanked any of my kids. But when it came to it, I had, I had to do something. Actually, Christy would tell me to do it. So <laughs> no, now I'd go spank my kids. So, so this story of Passover is embedded in a tradition that was a sacrifice uh, memorialized in a meal. Jesus looks to it and he says, I'm transforming this thing out of a meal into a sacrifice. No one on that day, as Jesus is on the cross, saw that as a sacrifice. No one. No, not even his mom. When Jesus was on the cross, no one saw a Roman uh, perfected execution, <laughs> perfected, a a. You know, the cross was not always a, a logo on a shirt or a, or a medallion. Some of you guys have it hung up by your houses. That at one time was a weapon or a vice used by the Romans as a shameful uh, to impute fear on its enemies. And so when the disciples and Peter and, and his mom and all those that were following Christ, I know up to 120 at least, 120 at least were following Christ at that time, were looking at the cross, they weren't thinking sacrifice. How do you get sacrifice out of a, a weapon that was used by the enemy? Well, not on Friday. You got to look on Thursday or late Wednesday <laughs> when Jesus is sitting with the disciples and he takes bread and he takes the cup and he offers it to them <laughs> and he says this is my body this is my blood I'm doing this as a new act of covenant work on behalf of the Father for you or for the many <laughs> to all those that would come <laughs> I'm doing this so what the early church did and the disciples, people like Paul and, and Timothy and Peter and all them, they looked back at the story of Christ because they couldn't see it either. So they looked back. As a matter of fact, John says, we didn't understand all these things till after the Spirit came, till after the fact. And I think a lot of, a lot of the scriptures that we look at, it's going to be the same way. We'll be in heaven, sitting back, looking back. Oh, that's what he meant? And here I was worried about 666. I got, a, I got you all jacked up now. 
Ain't it funny why we make things, we blow up things, but the things that we should be blowing up, we should be talking about the meal more than 666. We should be talking about this meal here that he offered us as a refreshing to the soul and to the spirit more than anything. <laughs> but after all, we're all tripped up with masks and, and worried about the Antichrist. Listen, I am more worried about missing a relationship, an open relationship with the Father than, 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 than to, to go into eternity. And, and I never saw the Antichrist. <laughs> to hell with the Antichrist. <laughs> Give me Christ. <laughs> Huh? Uh, so what they did, the, 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 the early church, the early church, what they, what they saw and the way they interpreted the scriptures for us that we so much take for granted is, is that they looked into Wednesday, late Wednesday, early Thursday, when Jesus said, I have been wanting to eat this with you. I would have been wanting to eat this meal with you. And they connected the dots from the meal to the cross. And they said, it's a sacrifice. The cross is a sacrifice. That's, how it, that's, that's where it's at, right there. And they live like that, Deborah. And they, listen, here's, here's a word that we don't understand. Here's a word I'll give you. You wanna, you, well, pastor, I want a word. Give me a word, I come for a word. I'll give you a word right here, rhythm. Rhythm, rhythm. It was a rhythm in the early church in the inception in its infancy it was a rhythm that they took communion every sunday and i desire to do that see but we got too many pentecostals all tripped up and and i can't do that brian because all we'll do is water this thing and just make it a memorial this is more than just a memorial ladies and gentlemen serious this is just more than just a memory I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you about the communion. Look at, look at what Isaiah chapter 55 verse 1 says, says. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you that have no money, come by and eat. Come by wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what cannot satisfy? America today is drunk. The Christians are drunk. <laughs> are drunk with theology. We can go into the internet. We got so many teachings. We can, we can go to any church in America where we're drunk with teachings, where we're, we're bloated with all kinds of revelation on revelation on revelation. But listen, let's, let, let's go back to what the church taught what Jesus taught and how they looked at it. So when times of trouble come, we have a rhythm in our lives and we don't get exhausted and fall by the, by the wayside. But we are a people that are well exercised in our faith and we can make it till the end. That's what Jesus said. When I come back, will I find faith on the earth? When I come back, will I find faith on the earth? Why does he say that? What did he say stuff like, and he that lasts to the end will be saved? Aren't we saved already? <laughs> but yet there's scriptures that says that Jesus says, and he that endures to the end shall be saved. Why did he say that? Well, because the Holy Spirit sealed us in Christ through the Spirit. And he is continuing to work in us. <laughs> and he will continue 
I'm saved, I'm being saved, and I will be saved. How many guys got that? I'm saved. The cross, what the cross, what it meant, the work of it is done already. It's, it's what they call the already, not yet. We're in between. And the in the between, Brian, but be, between the already and not yet, there is rhythms that was introduced to the church so they don't get exhausted and worry and worrisome and worry down so they can last. How many of you guys want to be a strong Christian? You don't want to be one of those tossed to and fro. You want to be a strong Christian. Then there are practices in the church that has to be introduced so we can have rhythms in our lives. How many of you guys like not to have control of your life? I mean, 2020. <laughs> Did anybody get a little rock in 2020? Because there was things going on that you couldn't control. Did you see the experts? They were like fish out of water, just flopping all over the place. Flopping. They try to define just to try to define what they mean. <laughs> define that. And define that. I mean, they could they couldn't get they couldn't get it straight. And 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 people, I, I don't I don't like I know Christians the same way. I'm the same way. I, I like to control things. So we need we need rhythms. We need rhythms. Well, look at this story. Thanks, guys. Look at this story here in Luke chapter 24. Verse 28 through 35. Here's these two men that are walking to Emmaus, a seven-mile journey. And they're walking to Emmaus, and they're arguing. The Bible says arguing and discussing. So there must be a man and a woman. <laughs> and must be two of the disciples of Christ. And Cleopas is probably the man, because I, I, there's so much debate. This is I'm just inferring on Scripture, on all this going on. You can go look it up. Many people have many things to say. They're arguing, discussing. I say it's a man and a woman. They're probably married and they're probably de uh, devoted, devoted to Jesus Christ who had high hope that the Messiah would be the, the answer to Israel, that he would be the one that the scriptures talk about. And so, you know, uh, Jesus had his Passover. The crucifixion has already come and gone. And as a matter of fact, it's been three to uh, four days after the... Uh, you know, the Passover and the resurrection. And now on the fourth day or, or going into the fifth day, these two people, disciples, are going from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It's a seven-mile journey, and they're talking about, guess who? Jesus Christ. Along the way, Jesus comes up beside them. Listen, ain't, ain't it in, these scriptures are interesting because Jesus comes up beside them, and, and they don't recognize him. They don't realize who he is. They don't realize that it is him, the one that they're talking about. And, and so many times we can, we can miss, listen, we can miss Christ if we don't stop talking. We talk so much, we talk ourselves out of a lot of things. <laughs> I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and we just keep talking and talking. And all it is is talking, and you will definitely talk yourself out of doing anything. Really, you can. I talked myself out of doing yard work yesterday. It was very encouraging. It was very awesome, and it was very hot outside. So I talked myself. I just I said, Orlando, you are too, you, you can pass out. You can pass out. It's too hot. <laughs> you don't want to pass out, do you? Well, no, I don't want to pass out. You know, I was in my garage. As a matter of fact, I was sitting in the chair, and I said, I'm done. <laughs> Good job. Go back inside. <laughs> I 
I talk myself out of doing the yard work. I mean, it's, it's mode, it's mode, but there's other things that I had to do and I didn't do it. But anyways, I got tomorrow, see? I just talked myself out of it, Brian. I'm good at that. I'm good. And here's these disciples who, 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 who are talking and discussing, and, and we find out, we're finding out that they have a heart issue. They have a heart issue because they had hoped for. See, and that's what happens to a heart. A heart is, is, is veered off the past when, when our expectations are met. You ever been disappointed in your life because expectation wasn't to what you thought they were going to be? Oh, I hurt myself all the time when, when I set the bar, the, the, my hope high, the bar high, and it doesn't happen. This week, I was talking to some of the, I, I work here, by the way. There's, I mean, we're everywhere. We're, we're working everywhere. Floors, we're doing um, the lights, and, and we're talking about high expectations. And I said, well, my high expectation of you all is very low. <laughs> and they looked at me and they said, what? I said, yeah, because I don't, wanna, I don't want you guys to hurt my feelings. You see, if I, set, if I set my bar low and you don't do anything, you don't hurt my feelings because I didn't expect nothing of you. Right. <laughs> now, I'm just kidding, and I was being my noxious self. But by the end of the day, a lot of people said, it kind of sounds, <laughs> there's some truth to that, Orlando, <laughs> because not all of us were working, Steve. Not all of us <laughs> were hitting the bar, you know what I'm saying? Uh, some of us sitting around and talking and drinking water and hiding out in different rooms and we're looking for each other and people are hiding out and people are coming over and telling me, you know what you said earlier, <laughs> you said about setting the bar low because you didn't want to get your feelings, you know, get your high hopes and then get hurt, you know? I said, I told you there's some truth to that. And sometimes that's, that's what happened here with his disciples. They had set their hope high. Yeah. And now they're discussing and arguing. <laughs> Anybody <laughs> discussing and arguing because of dashed hopes? You see, but here in front is a table set by the master, and he's calling the oppressed. He's calling the hungry. He's calling the imprisoned. He's calling the blind. He's calling the sorrowful. He's, he's calling the unrighteous. He, he's calling all those that are displaced. He's calling the widow. He's calling the orphan. He's calling the wicked. He's calling the gay. He's calling the transgender. He's calling all those, however you want to identify. He's calling Mexicans. Come on, say amen, somebody. He's calling white people. He's calling black people. He's calling red people. He's calling the Asians. He's, call, he's calling every to the table. He set a table for us to eat. He's calling us to come and eat. <laughs> but not so you can impose your truth to him, but so he can impose his truth to you. You don't come to the table to transform him. He comes to the table. You come to the table so he can transform you. That's a reality that must be lived. And what we've done in the church and what we've done with this meal is we brought our expertise. See, I got a television now. I got the internet now. I got my own little tablet. I got my own cookie cutter personally, Christianity, and how I should be. It's a, now the gospel has no blood in it. Now the gospel, Christianity, has no sacrifice in it. People don't want to come to a church that talks about sacrifice. True relationship has sacrifice. You're going to learn that, Joe. <laughs> and all the married couples laugh. Because <laughs> that's the only way we can take down a reality is with a little bit of laughter. Remember when we used to fight over Jack in the Box? Because I want to go to, you want to go to Jack in the Box? 
and, and I wanted to go eat tortas or something. I want to go eat tortas. She wants to go eat, uh, what you like, a jack-in-the-box? The, come on, girl, don't, don't be shy now. Huh? The egg rolls. Remember that? Huh? What, the teriyaki bowl. And, and she was addicted to the teriyaki bowl, Chris, when me and Christy got together. She wanted teriyaki bowl every, every other day or every Friday. I don't know what it was. Payday, whatever payday was. You know what it is. You know when payday was. <laughs> And, and we would fight. I, I wanted tortas. I wanted tortillas. You know? and, she wa- and, she wa- and she wanted teriyaki bowl. And we, we would fight over it. And, and then, and then we'd, we'd go home. We didn't eat anything. We didn't eat anything. That's what happens. That's what happens. But there's a, rea- there's a reality that has to be understood here that true relationship to relationship, I think Brian was just asking me, what, how would you define relationship? I define relationship right now in my life, right now, sacrifice. If I can tell anybody, 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 number, I mean, communicate, and I'm not talking about relationships, but I'll just throw it out there. Communication is, is, is huge. And number two, sacrifice is huge. Sacrifice. We, we get that from the other church. Nikki, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to get through all my notes. <laughs> I'm trying, but I got so much, man. And so here's these two guys. This was, this was a common, common practice. How did this start? How did the Catholic Church, how did those, 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 those early fathers, Paul uh, uh, and, and, and Peter and like people that, that Antonius and and uh, Justin Martyr, some of, some of these early people, how did they get, how does, how does church, you ever wonder about church? Like, why, 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 did, why, did, why, why is my position, like, why is there a position like this? Where, where you sit there and you got to listen to me speak to you. Like, it, was that made here in America? Was that made in America? Was that something that was conjured up? A lot of people got together and said, well, let's just have church. You know, we're going to bring in music, and we're going we're gonna to have somebody that speaks. Who talks a lot? Oh, yeah, okay, let's have that guy talk. He talks a lot. He has a lot to say. Let's get him to get up there and say a few words, and then let's do communion, and then let's dismiss. And you know what? Let's do that every, every Sunday. Like, you ever thought about that? How did that happen? Well, look it. Let me show you, let me show you some, some, some of, of what got people thinking about how these services ought to be when we gather together. And, and here's one. So in Luke chapter 24, verse 28, the Bible says that uh, these, two, these two men or the, this couple was walking and Jesus, listen, as they came, uh, verse 28, look at, they came near the village where they were going. They gave, they, this is Jesus, he gave the impression that he was going further. I love that. He gave the impression that he was going further. In other words, as these two people were walking together, 
over a seven-mile stretch. They were discussing and arguing. Their hopes have been dashed. Christ is gone. There's some, some say that they've seen him. There is an empty tomb, but we really don't know. We had hoped. We had really, really hoped that he would be the one that would set us free from this Roman oppression. We're tired of it, and our hopes are dashed. So they're arguing about this, and Jesus spoke to them. Jesus is speaking uh, concerning the scriptures. I, I, I wish I had time. That's why I didn't read it. I wish I had time to go. As Jesus speaks about himself concerning the scriptures, and that's why I say here at this church that this Bible, listen, this Bible is a unified story from cover to cover. is a unified story concerning our Lord Jesus Christ. If you get something else, then reread it again. And if you get something else, reread it again. Reread it again till you see Jesus in the scriptures. And that's what he did, starting with Moses. Starting with Moses, the Bible says. Starting with Moses and the law and the Psalms and the prophets. He spoke about himself, concerning himself, how the master should, how this Messiah would suffer, endure some persecution, die, and then resurrect. He tells them that. Something is happening on the inside of them. Their heart is being stirred. Something is happening, yet they don't recognize who is in front of them. Watch this. Look at this very closely. But they urged him, stay with us, because it's almost evening, and now the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them, and it was as he reclined at the table with them that he took bread. <laughs> he blessed it, come on, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, and their eyes were open. Did you see that? You see what he did? He, he took bread. Look at the scriptures. Look at what it says. It says he took bread. Do you remember the Gospels? This is a repeated rhythm in the life of Christ. You want to be a Christian and not be a crazy Christian. Get And I, I don't say that lightly at all. Seriously. I don't say crazy. I say it with all, with all my heart. You don't want to be a despondent Christian. A Christian that is wishy-washy, a Christian that is up and down like a yo-yo. You want, you want to be a strong Christian. Listen, learn the rhythm of the church. I don't want you here so I can just say, oh, look at the church was full today. I, I, I don't bring you here because I want my church to be full. I don't, I don't bring you here because I, I, I want a big name. <laughs> So I can put it on Facebook or on Instagram. I bring you here. I encourage you here you that are watching. I encourage you to come here, be with us, because I, I don't want, I want you to be a strong Christian. This is more than just religion. This is more than just song. This is more than just the word. This is more than just bread. This is more than just wine. This is something that the early church did because it was a rhythm because they saw Christ doing it. See, he took bread. He blessed bread, he broke bread, and he gave it. Nowhere in the Bible does Jesus say, write a book. Disciples never did. Nowhere in the Bible does Jesus say, build me a building. As a matter of fact, Peter asked Jesus, can we build three buildings here, Master? Jesus says, no. So Jesus said, Jesus never asked them to build a building. He never asked them to write anything. But this is what he did say, do this. And this is what they did. 
This is what they did. This is what they did. The Bible says that he took bread, verse 30, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. As soon as the physical presence of God was in reality to them, he disappears as he leaves behind something that will memorialize and change the church forever. This is not a snack that I go get at QT. This is not something that I go through a drive-thru at Starbucks. This is the transforming power of God. <laughs> then when we gather together and me as the pastor stand here and offer you, offer you the meal that Christ left behind, listen to me, you are being invited into the greatest story ever told, Deborah. But you know what we're doing? We're listening to people, people at the White House that has watered this thing down. I, I hope the Catholic Church forbids anyone to eat. They believe in abortion. You guys hear that this week? People will go crazy over trees. And let me, let me be honest with you. We will, be, we will be judged over how we treated our creation. We're stewards over creation. We will be judged for that. But let me tell you another reality. We'll also be judged over how we treated life. And children are life. And we can look billions of years from now, billions of light years away, (laughs) and find life in Mars. We're stupid to say that there's not a a life inside of a woman. (laughs) But yet there can be life in Mars. And we spend billions of dollars, wasted dollars, to take dominion over something God never said. God said, take dominion over the earth and steward it. Not over Mars. Get back on track, Orlando. Okay, I will. <laughs> you know, so we, I'm, you know, we got guests here, guys. Well, welcome, welcome. It's Jasmine, Jasmine parents, guys. It's all. But, you know, it's, it's hot right now. You know, you, you listen to the news, and it's so easy to get carried away. I, there's a lot of things that I want to preach. But I gotta, I, I, there's a lot of ways that I could preach. A lot of ways. But I'm not going to get detoured. I, I know what, I mean, the, the, the internet has been flooded with, with the whole thing with the book of Revelation and 666 and the rapture of the church. Oh, I mean, flooded. All the news ever talks about politics, 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 how the bad, our bad president that left, and now our, our other president, even though he goes to sleep in the middle of the meeting, he's a great president. Did I, did I just say that? I shouldn't have said that. And you know how, bi- bi- how biased that is? I can get carried away into there's narratives, but listen, we're being invited into one of the greatest stories that ever lived, that ever was, and that ever will be, is this story right here. Nothing else will help me to love my neighbor, only the story of Christ. 
I, 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 I won't be able to love those that are unloving. It's only looking to the life of Christ. How can I forgive my enemy? How can I love my enemy? How can I go the second mile? How can I sacrifice? How can I become a servant? How, how can I wash people's feet when they spit at me, when they talk about me, when they murmur about me, when they complain about me, when they stab me in the back? How can I be that loving Christian? It's only looking to this meal, this, sacrifice, this sacrificial meal. Let me tell you this. Let me, let me add this before. before I, I, I got to close. I got to close. Let me, let me add this to you. So this meal, so this meal was first a sacrifice in the Old Testament. So you, you have a sacrifice turning to a meal to memorize what happened in Israel of their release of the rescue when God sent his servant Moses to rescue them. That's what he did. He rescued them. Jesus takes it, makes it, makes it a meal. Listen, listen to me, listen to me. This word here, New Testament, this New Testament, before it was ever a book. Listen, before this was ever a book, before these books were ever, these 27 books that were put together, before they were ever, it, was, it wasn't called the New Testament. Can I tell you what the New Testament was called? What do you think was first called the New Testament? Remember Thursday? What did Jesus say? Uh, some translations say covenant. Other translations says this is the New Testament. So before the, te- the New Testament was a book, the New Testament was a meal. Let me say that again. Before the 27 books in the year 300 something all these people came together and they were finalizing to put this book together they called it the new testament only because of the proximity that it had with the new testament this was first called the new testament remember jesus took the bread and he took the wine and he says this is my covenant or another word this is the new testament (laughs) jeremiah i will make a new testament or i will make a new covenant with them And Jesus takes this and he makes it the New Testament. (laughs) So if you're wondering, well, why, why so serious? Why so serious? Because of that. Because of the New Testament. The New Testament, the document, this book talks about the New Testament. Listen, the New Testament doesn't talk about itself. Anytime the word New Testament is used in the scriptures, four to five times in the scriptures, it's talking about this. It's not talking about itself. It's talking about what Jesus did. So before, so get this. Look at how it was played out. This is how the church seen it. They seen a sacrifice made into a meal. Christ takes the meal, makes it a sacrifice, makes it a New Testament, okay? He makes it a New Testament, he, a new covenant. He offers it to the people, and then we lost the significance of this because we looked to the books as in the New Testament, but not to the act. Am I explaining that correctly? So before the New Testament was a document, this is what the early church said, it was a sacrament. Before the New Testament was a document, It was a sacrament.
I want you to be smart Christians. I want you to understand the, the history of the church. As a matter of fact, I, I, I want to put, put it up so you can, you can look it up. And, 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 and I, I, just, I just, you know, only Nick, you know, I, I don't have to say it, really, but I just messed my whole sermon up. But listen, plainly, the younger, put it up, Nick. I want people, look this up. Very interesting. Look at plainly the younger. Come here, Joe. Plainly the younger was a Roman governor of Bithynia of Pontus in what, what is now known uh, modern Turkey. Now, I was studying the early church, and I read about this guy. This guy is a governor. He is an expert of the law. In the year 112, in the year 112, he is sent by Trojan, the Caesar at the time, to uh, uh, Bithynia, what is now known Turkey, and he wants uh, uh, some order brought to the scene. Who are we going to call? We're going to call this guy named Plainly. Plainly, Plainly. And so, so Plainly, he gets there. <laughs> He's dealt with Jews. Oh, come on. I know the story. He's dealt with Jews. <laughs> He's dealt with even Roman citizens that cost him up, bro. He's dealt with some rebellious sects and, and, and different types of groups that try to arise against the empire, but he's never messed with Christians. <laughs> he's never messed with Christians before. He's never messed with Christians. Watch this, Dustin. And so, so he writes to this emperor around the year uh, A.D. 112. And he asked for counsel on dealing with the early Christian community. He doesn't know. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the church is a church, Brian? I'm talking about the flesh expression of Christ. If the church acts like the church, I wonder what governments would say. I wonder how cities will turn out. I, I, wonder, I, wonder, I wonder what would happen to the population of the hungry. I wonder what would happen to the population of the suffering. I wonder how our global communities would look if the church was the church. And so this, this guy, plainly a, an expert in the law, the dude had it all together. I, I read so much of, of, of him. He, he, he was the man to, to, for the job, okay? He was the man for the job, <laughs> He's dealt with many communities, and he knew how to silence them quickly. Well, he meets some Christians, and in this letter, he details the account on how plainly conducted trials of suspected Christians who appeared before him as a result of anonymous accusations against him. And so he asked for the emperor's guidance and how they should be treated. But listen, the crimes against Christians never mentioned either by plainly or Trojan. Never. And he writes to them, and it plainly states that he gives Christians multiple, multiple chances to affirm that they are innocent, and if they refuse three times, they are executed. Plainly states that his investigations have revealed nothing on the Christian's part but harmless practices of depraved, excessive superstitions. What do you think that he calls superstitions? When the people would gather together, they would sing hymns and worship this man named Christ as a God, and they would eat his flesh. So the early Christians were called cannibalists. 
because they were gathered together to eat this man's flesh and drink his blood. The early Christians were called cannibalism, and this man plainly accuses them of being cannibalists. And not only that, he accuses them of being of, of sleeping with one another. In other words, of having sexual relations with brothers and sisters. Well, remember what we used to call ourselves back in the day? Brothers and sisters? Well, can you imagine a new movement and the horizon is coming and Rome has dealt with many societies, but nothing like this because we come singing, we come eating, and we come with love, and we come with fellowship, and we call ourselves brothers and sisters in the Lord, and we worship this man named Christ who you persecuted, and actually he was the Messiah. He is the Son of God. How strange. How strange, he says. And so he didn't know how to deal with them. So he, he, wanted, he wanted them he wanted Trojan to give him to give him some expert advice. Well, look at what else did he look at what else he, he wrote. He says, listen, these people come together, they recite a hymn among themselves to Christ, as though that he were a God. So far from binding themselves by oath to commit any crime, they swore to keep from theft, robbery, adultery, and breach of faith, and they uh, they too deny any trust money, uh, trust money deposited with them when they called upon to deliver it. In other words, that they would be a high honor when they give in their alms, that they wouldn't be any thievery or anybody would dip. Remember Judas? <laughs> dip into the uh, uh, Jesus' bag of money. This ceremony over, they used to depart and meet again to take food to take food, but it was of no special character and entirely harmless. So here's an outsider looking at the insider. He says, this is a strange people. They sing songs. <laughs> they recite hymns. They read scriptures to themselves. They worship this Christ as a God, and they eat food. They eat food. And they do that week to week. He goes on to say, though small, he, he, he writes the Trojan, he says, though small community, he says, it can be a serious threat. <laughs> and in 300 years, Rome became a Christian. The empire become Christian. Wow. I wonder what would happen and we would learn these rhythms, Brian. You come to church not because you're afraid to go to hell. That's what we were taught. Uh, you go to church because, because Christ can come back and you might be left behind. You go to church because God might get mad at you. And God loves a, a good Christian person and so going to church will make you a good good Christian person. I know people who go to church and are not, are, are not good, good people. It's a great place to be. But just because you're in a garage doesn't mean you're a car. You know what I'm saying? You know my drift. You know what I'm trying to say. But I, I go to church because of the rhythms and the practices that I have in my life. And this is one of the practices. This is one of the practices. 
I'd like to do this every Sunday. I like every time we meet that, that we take bread and wine and you don't lose the flavor. That it, doesn't be, that it doesn't become common to you. That it doesn't become familiar. The greatest thing to Christianity is familiarity. When you say, well, I already know those songs. I already know those stories. I already know that story. I already heard that sermon. When we get familiar, we, we, dumb, we dumb size it. We lose this power, this potency. I have a friend that's a Catholic, and I went to church with her, and I told her what her problem was. I said, you know what your problem is, Alma? It's too familiar with you. Everything that the Catholic church does has become so familiar that you lost its symbols. You lost its rhythm. You lost its, its scriptures, its poetry, its power, what it, what, it, what it needs to be in your life. And that's what happens in Pentecostalism. You know, it's a good time to stop right there, right, Brian? Don't talk about the Pentecostals. We're, we're full of the Spirit. We got the anointing. We got the revelation. Oh, yeah? Why is our cities burning? Why is people looking to Biden for answers or, or definitely look for Trump for answers? Why weren't they hounding down these doors and demanded that the church be open again so they can hear the preacher preach? Because we've lost the power. Because we lost the potency, Dustin. You know why we don't have people coming to the church that are bound by drugs, that are bound by alcohol, that are bound by pornography, that are bound by the sin of the world that is sucking the life out of them? You know why this place is not packed? Because the church has lost its power. It's time to get it back. It's time to get it back. Let's look to the scriptures. Let's look to the scriptures. That's what Jesus did. He looked to the scriptures. He took this bread. That's what the early church did. They looked at the life of Jesus. Jesus gave them the word, and Jesus gave them the bread. Come on, will you stand with me? Will you stand, Father? Will you help us? Will you help us? Maybe it's gotten boring. Maybe the songs no longer stir us anymore. Maybe the music no longer stirs us anymore like it used to. I don't really care about my Bible. I don't really care about communion anymore. Water baptism, nobody knows water baptism. Who really cares about water baptism? Water baptism, God, we've, we've downsized water baptism to a t-shirt, to get a t-shirt. That's not water baptism. go to church for a photo op going to church is not a photo op it's not for my Facebook, it's not for my Instagram it's not so people can see me that I'm a good Christian, this is rhythm, this is rhythm, this is life you left the church <laughs> you left preachers, you left your word you left your meal that we can be part of a great and awesome story It was your word. It was what you called the New Testament. <laughs> oh, Father, we pray right now. Ricky, if you would like, I'd like to invite you. We, we're gonna, Ricky's going to go and pass communion. Jesus. Jesus, I'm calling you right now out of your sleep. I'm calling you out of your, out of your laziness and you allowed your Christianity to dwindle. 
Your first love. That's what Jesus said. I got, I got, I got something against you, he said. You've lost your first love. Father, I want to burn again. Oh, we talk about the fire. We talk about your spirit. We talk about your spirit being poured out. We talk about being on fire. We talk about being hot for you. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Come on, Joe, what song you got? Come on. Come on, will you join? Oh, Father, we pray. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 